welcome to the Simple Sophisticate Podcast, where intelligent living is paired with signature style. I'm your host, Shannon Abels. And whether you're listening on your commute, exercising, working in the garden, or sitting down with a hot cup of tea or a cafe au lait, thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome to the 274th episode of The Simple Sophisticate. Today, we're going to talk about friendship and how it plays a significant role in the overall quality of our lives. But before we get to that, this week's petite plaisir is a recipe that I have been enjoying in my own kitchen. And as it is winter here in the States, I find it to be especially cozy and comforting and full of flavor, but also very simple as well. So stay tuned as I'll share that recipe at the end of today's episode. But back to what we're talking about today, friendship. This entire episode was inspired by a book that is going to be released um, the last week of January. So January 28th. And it's a book called Friendship, The Evolution, Biology, and Extraordinary Power of Life's Fundamental Bond by Lydia Denworth. And I want to begin with a quote um, about this topic, which we're going to talk about how quality friendships are equivalent to cultivating a life of quality. And here is a quote from the book to get us started. By comparison with relationships forged in blood and love, science has historically given friendship short shrift. Biologists ignored friendships because unlike romantic or mating relationships, they were thought not to affect reproductive success. Most of us are as guilty as scientists of failing to take friendship as seriously as it deserves. We pay lip service to it, but prioritize family and romance, ditching our friends when we fall in love or letting time with them be the first thing to go when we get busy. Each of us is constrained by time, but we may want to rethink how we apportion the time we have. It turns out that friendship does have survival value in the most literal sense. More socially integrated people live longer than those who are less well-connected. Now, this quote comes from the book that I just mentioned. And as I was reading this and I was looking at the science that she brought forth and the research that was done, I started to think about my own understanding of the importance of friendship. So I'd like to share with you that and why this book really resonated with me. And so I'd like to talk about my experience with regards to friendship and how I have interpreted it in my life journey and how it has evolved, and then talk about what this book offers you as a reader and the key takeaways for me. Perhaps due to the media I consumed in the 80s and 90s, there was an unconscious understanding that romantic relationships were paramount to platonic ones. Now, don't misunderstand me. Friendships were clearly portrayed in sitcoms such as Friends, Blossom, Seinfeld, The Golden Girls, Will and Grace, Felicity, The Wonder Years, just to name a few. Remember, I was in my teens and my (laughs) preteens. That's the the, the shows. But it was clear that the writers of these shows were directed to have their leads be in constant pursuit of the desired romantic relationship predominantly, and perhaps most importantly. Subsequently, not aware of the subtle influence of media in my youth, I made the assumption that friendship was nice, but romance was best. It does appear today, and admittedly maybe due more to my own awareness and how that has evolved, it appears or seems that such media portrayals are shifting and broadening to bring to the screen and the pages, as well as other media mediums, an array of life paths and journeys to find contentment and social connectedness. 
The value of quality friendships is arguably one of the most important social components of our lives. For each of us, our quilt of friendships will be unique and include amongst it our acquaintances and community, both work and personal connections. It seems to me that good, healthy relationships of all types, whether it be romantic or platonic, benefit when we have a healthy social well-being, which fundamentally rests on our social connections. Of course, a social well-being requires first and continually that we include ourselves as part of this social circle. In other words, we need to honor and respect our true selves and try not to cultivate relationships that are contrary to our true temperament, but rather complement and strengthen. When we remember to default to regularly checking in with ourselves, we will know when it is best to repair and invest in certain relationships and when it is best to move on. We will respect ourselves enough to know what boundaries to put in place and how to place them. The great loves of our lives, even the moderately good and life-changing for a period before we both must go our separate ways relationships that will hold a special place in our life's journey don't cross our paths as we know frequently. We are fortunate to experience these romantic relationships when we have the courage to step forward and say yes without knowing what the future will hold. But throughout the duration of our lives, in between those romantic relationships, during those romantic relationships, it is the friendships, even with those we may fall in love with along the way as we come to know each other intimately yet honestly, that offer so much more than filler. They offer love, support, encouragement to step into our best selves and step away from limiting habits. They offer kindness and the reminder when we may doubt it that we are lovely and we are loved. Author and Brooklyn-based science journalist and a writer who has contributed to The Atlantic and The New York Times, Lydia Denworth, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, will be releasing a new book on January 28th that I was eager to receive. And as I find it helpful to explore the context of the research we have accepted as truth, absolute truth, and that which has thus gone on to influence how we choose to live and construct our lives. Receiving an advanced copy, I want to kind of give you an overview of what this book is about. Denworth will dive into the historical and established science, and then she will examine what has been misunderstood or dismissed or ignored about friendship and its effect on our world and our lives. Moving forward, she will explore the brain and how it learns to be social. And then the majority of the book explores how friendship and the desire for it and our ability to connect or not connect plays a role in the quality of our lives. And ultimately, she will share how to live a healthy social life with sound friendships. Today, what I'd like to do is share with you a taste of what I learned as I read this book and share 10 takeaways. Now, each of these I'm just going to touch on briefly, but these are the key points that caught my attention and that will hopefully give you an idea of what she's going to demonstrate through sound research and findings that are more recent and modern and take into consideration far more than previous studies have. So number one is that our overall health reveals the quality of relationships we have in our lives. She shares that as we age, the effects of the life we have lived, including our relationships, inevitably shows up in the body. Some are cumulative and some are short term. So it is the strength of your friendships at 50 that will predict your health at 80. Now, the second quote, this last quote that I just shared with you, just gave me pause for a second because I think, and we'll talk about this more in, in future points today, it's a, it takes time to build friendships. It's an investment. It's a choice. It's not something that you can just snap your fingers and create. And, and I think this is important to keep in mind, all of us 
will gravitate to different types of relationships. And we'll talk about that in another point as well. So it's this idea and understanding that we do need to know who we are in order to cultivate these strong bonds. But we also need to know that we can't just fit into a template of what friendship should be, how many we should have, how we should behave together, what we should do. And I think sometimes it's easy to fall into that because we, because if we all do that, then we are all searching for that same thing and then it's easier to fit in. But, but each of us are different. And the people that we strike up friendships with are unique too. And so it takes time to cultivate those relationships. Second of all, the first quote with regards to our health, think about the stress or the lack thereof that people bring into your life or don't bring into your life because they alleviate it. Think about the trust you have or lack thereof. All those things play a role in your health because of cortisol that's recently released in your body with regards to stress. And if it's chronic because of a chronically bad relationship or a relationship that's not evolving or growing or potentially limiting you, and therefore causing more stress or unnecessary excess, whatever that is, it plays or has a role on your health. And um, I think if nothing else, if nothing else motivates us to build healthy relationships, let the health one, let the health factor be the one that drives you to be inspired to create and cultivate stronger relationships. Specifically, today's conversation is all about friendships. So that's number one. Our overall health reveals the quality of relationships we have in our lives. Number two, more education and income leads to having more friends. Now, how is that possible or how does that work? Well, research has shared, and if you think about this on the most basic level, it makes sense. Education, with regards to gaining more education, gives us more tools, more skills of how to communicate or how to work with more people, thus better social skills. And if we have more money or a higher income, it's easier to socialize more widely, whether we're out and about going to a restaurant, going to a concert, traveling, meeting new people with similar interests. We have the means, more means, to go where we want, do what we want, those kind of things. So on a very basic level, it makes sense. And so when we invest in ourselves, we invest in our passions and our, our career path or whatever it is that we do to, to um, fund our lifestyle and our way of life, um, making sure that we're continually growing and flourishing in that career, but at the same time, making time to socialize, finding that balance makes a big difference. Um, I think everyone's going to work with this recipe a little bit differently for their own um, well-being and their own interests. But that's something to keep in mind, something to keep in mind. So that's number two. Number three, friendships help buffer life stress. A point that Denworth brings up is that as we're growing up, as we're, um, you know, in our, in our childhood home, um, up until puberty, our parents, um, are our buffer, um, to life stress often, and they help us navigate as best we can. We're not out and about as much as kids, as far as away from our parents. But then after puberty, she's found in studies, parents no longer will buffer or be able to buffer stress, um, from our child, from their children. And so our friends take on that role and that's where the quality friendships make a tremendous difference. Um, so it's something with regards to the reduction of stress and thus making sure that we know how to build and how to choose wisely when it comes to friends and how to allow them to grow and evolve and improve. So number three is that friendships will help buffer life stress. Number four, a good friendship can be a template for all other relationships. Quote, at its simplest, as in animals, friendship is positive, 
long-lasting, and reciprocal. Bonds with these traits have the strongest effect on our health and longevity. This one makes a lot of sense, and it also reveals to us a lot about ourselves. I found that I learned very quickly when I was younger what types of friendships work best for me to allow me to be myself and and to relax. Um, And a lot of this is trial and error. A lot of this is going to be trial and error. But that also allows you to be clearer about who you are and your needs and where you can compromise and where you can't. And so that when you do step into those other relationships beyond friendships, you can say clearly and and respectfully what you need um, and so on and so forth. But also understanding the value of a healthy relationship um, in any capacity, whether it's romantic or platonic. So number four is a good friendship can be a template for all other relationships. Five, welcome a diversity of types of friendships. Now, in the book, in the chapter titled The Circles of Friendship, Denworth breaks down how there are three different types of friendships, and they are discerning, independent, and acquisitive. I just want to share with you what each one of these are. So if you are someone who acquires independent friendships, you are someone who considers themselves self-sufficient and content to socialize casually. And your friendships are often circumstantial, formed with schoolmates, coworkers, or neighbors, but not maintained. Um, discerning people are deeply tied to a few very close friends. And those are friendships or relationships that tend to be long lasting and harder to establish later in life. And then we have acquisitional types of friendships. And these are relationships or people that collect a variety of friends as they move through life. They are open to meeting new people, but they keep up old relationships too. And what the study found was that the categories that held up well were discerning and independent. Um, acquisitive friendships seems to be, seem to be more properly divided into two groups. They broke it down into the selectively acquisitive who were choosier and the unconditionally acquisitive who were mainly interested in socializing broadly. Now, what this study also showed was that the discerning friendship style was most common and the independent style the least common. And I thought I thought that was just really interesting because we can obviously have multiple types of friendships, but what she's saying is that we should. We should have independent friendships, we should have discerning friendships, and we should have acquisitive friendships. So it's this idea of really building a quilt of your own of different, different types of connections um, over the duration. Because if we're just discerning, then as they found in the study, then you're not cultivating friendships later on in life with new people. Um, and you're, if people that you've been friends with for a really long time leave or move or, or, or sadly pass on, um, you don't have the, the, the depth of friendships or relationships to, to rely on and to, to continue to cultivate as you move through all different stages of life. Um, I think that's something to think about with regards to the diversity of friendships and to assess your own life, our own lives, to see what type of friendships we are and what kind of person we are when it comes to building those friendships. So that is number five. Number six, it's also important, and I think number five plays into number six, to know that our friendship circles will evolve, they will grow, and they will change, and that's okay. It's a dynamic process, and as much as in our busy lives we would like for our friendships and everything that is working to stay the same, we are people, we are in a world that's continually changing, and so thus our friendships change too. And 
I find myself in different friendships um, throughout my life, and especially right now where they're going through different stages with their family or their children or themselves. And it doesn't mean that our friendship has to die. Um, If it's a healthy relationship, it's worth maintaining, but you may be stepping back for a bit and letting them go through what they need to go through, but letting them know I'm here. I will always be here whenever you want to be able, whenever you want to reach out. Um, Because soon that, that time or that chapter will pass and move on. And we want to make sure that they feel good about how they've gone through that chapter. Um, And vice versa for ourselves to communicate what we need to our friends so that they can understand that, you know, things will ebb and flow um, and that's okay. So that's number six. Friendship circles will evolve, grow and change. And that's just perfectly wonderful. Number seven, social media isn't as bad for relationships as people believe. In fact, it's a net positive. Well, there is a lot that she goes into on this particular topic, and she definitely does talk about the detractors. Remember, she says that this is a net positive, and for different age groups um, and different periods of their life, and if they don't know how to navigate technology, there could be a negative net. Um, There might be a, a net negative at the end of this. But I find that she went through a lot of wonderful research that shows how it can be used for positive gain for our social lives. But again, it needs to be used consciously. And that's that's the part that's important here. We can't just say, here's a screen, a social media account, a, a computer, whatever it may be. Go forth and find friendships and connect. It doesn't work that way. Number one. Number two, use it as a support, but not the primary way to build and maintain friendships. Um, It keeps you obviously connected from abroad or from a distance so that you don't have to go through the small talk as she shares about when she went to her class reunion, she can jump right ahead and go into deeper, more enjoyable and more engaging and personal conversation. Um, It also allows you to follow and get to know people that you are interested in because you have similar interests and you can learn and be inspired and and figure out different ways. ways of going about your life even better Um, and then connecting with people that may have similar interests and be following that person as well. But with teenagers, it's also a whole nother road and she talks about that as well. Um, So something to think about. It's a net positive when used consciously and intentionally to cultivate and strengthen um, relationships, friendships in particular. So that's number seven. Number eight, ambivalent relationships, frenemies are bad for our health. As we would imagine, this is going to be something that will cause more stress. This will cause more strain and to make sure that we're being conscious about who we bring into our lives, not just anybody. We set clear boundaries and we invest in those that want to invest in us and back and forth, but also respect our boundaries, respect what we need and um, understand that, um, While friendship is a priority, it needs to go both ways. So number eight is ambivalent relationships or frenemies are bad for our health. Number nine, she shares through studies that it takes about 50 hours of togetherness to make a friend, 200 to make a best friend. So we're talking for the most part offline, in person, in real life, (laughs) and it's something that takes time. I think that's the, the wonderful reminder here is... If we reflect back on some of our friendships that we've had for years, we can remember when it it may have shifted from an acquaintance to a friendship, but it wasn't just a blink of an eye. It was over time. And it was because of continued experiences, continued dependability, clarity of sincerity, or sincerity, trust, and that is something that takes time. 
And last but not least, she takes us through the journey of life. And she talks about in the last chapter how retirement is something to be savored, especially when you invest in friendships. And here's a quote from the book about this. She shares a study from Robert Waldinger's TEDx talk that's about friendship and good relationships. And that video has since garnered nearly 30 million views. And she states that the people who were happiest in retirement had worked at it. They valued and tended to their relationships. They actively worked to replace coworkers with new playmates. They put in the time. And so there's this common theme where this is a conscious effort to cultivate friendships. It's not something where you just, you know, I work with this person. I'm related to this person. Um, this person's my neighbor. This is something where there might be obviously some reason you see this person or have come cross paths with this person, it's then a conscious choice for both parties to continue to invest, to make time, and to be honest about who you are, to be truly yourself, and to be vulnerable, a little bit vulnerable, um, and play that ping pong match, so to speak, of give and take, um, offer and accept, so on and so forth. Now, this is just a sampling of all the things she goes over, but I felt that those were some interesting takeaways. And since they caught my attention, I wanted to share them with you. Um, similar to so much of our lives, uh, when it comes to friendship, um, how we enrich our lives, how we imp- increase the quality is to be conscious about the choices we are making when it comes to who we get to know, how we get to know them, and the regular continual engagement with them. This increases our overall contentment and joy of how we go about our everyday lives. Friendship is an undercurrent that when tended to can elevate and bring tranquility or when not tended to can cause unsteadiness and make for a rough journey when neglected or ill-tended. So knowing more, understanding how is one of the first components to a strong cultivation of what we wish to grow, in this case, friendships, strengthening our friendships. Certainly, it is not the only step or the final step, but it is important. And then we must be patient with ourselves and those we are building relationships with to give them time to grow and to have the potential to blossom should they be, should they be, should they blossom? Because they may not. In time, good things and a good life will grow when given that proper attention. And here's a quote from the book to leave you with a last thought. Quote, social bonds have the power to shape the trajectories of our lives. And that means friendship is not a choice or a luxury. It's a necessity that is critical to our ability to succeed and thrive. It can even be a model against which other relationships should be measured. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Again, this is all inspired by the book by Lydia Dinworth titled Friendship, The Evolution, Biology, and Extraordinary Power of Life's Fundamental Bond. And I've also included a couple of episodes and posts from the past, from the archives that you might be interested that touch on friendships, relationships, social well-being, and um, just this choice, this choice to build and strengthen friendships. All right, I'll be right back with this week's Petit Plaisir. So this week's Petit Plaisir is a salad that I saw Ina Garten cook on her latest season of Barefoot Contessa, and it's her lentil and kielbasa salad. And it is so good. Um, It's very simple to make. And oh, talk about depth of flavor. So I've included a link to her recipe on this because it's not mine. I've adapted it. I've done a few things differently, but it was primarily based on the ingredients I had in my house. 
this is a recipe that adds a depth of flavor that she even said she couldn't figure out because it was based on a French recipe with regards to the French lentils. And what she learned was that it was putting a turnip, a single turnip into the lentils when they're boiling to add that certain extra flavor. And you remove the turnip, you never actually put it in the dish, but you do keep it in the boiling water with the lentils as you're making it. And then you have simply have a kielbasa, you make a vinaigrette and put it all together and voila, it is that simple. I It's a full meal. If you want a full meal, I like it for lunch or it can be a side salad. It's very filling. She even puts slices of bruschetta with goat cheese on the top. And that's something that you can do or you don't have to. Or even just make the lentils without the kielbasa. The, the, the dressing is so simple. It's just garlic, three tablespoons of Dijon mustard, five tablespoons of good red, good red wine vinegar, salt and pepper and extra virgin olive oil and you've got your vinaigrette oh so good that's it and you add that to the lentils that have been boiling with the turnip some some leeks um, some scallions some fresh thyme leaves if you have them fresh parsley leaves if you have them i didn't have those at that particular time so i made it without and it was still really really good so pair it with a lovely glass of crisp white wine or your favorite crisp wine and you'll just I think you'll just be absolutely amazed how wonderful this recipe is, but so simple. And like I said, a depth of flavor that will take, if you like lentils, you'll love them even more. And if you've been questionable about lentils, I think you'll learn to appreciate them. So anyway, the recipe is linked on the show notes, the simplyluxuriouslife.com slash podcast 274. And the petite plaisir is lentil and kielbasa salad. I hope you've enjoyed this week's Petite Plaisir, where ideas are shared to make the everyday all the more enjoyable. Tune in at the end of each episode, where I'll recommend a book, a film, a show, a recipe, anything that is a simple pleasure to satiate your sophisticated taste. Before I wrap up today, I'd like to send a couple shout outs to listeners who kindly shared reviews wherever they listen to their podcasts. This first one is from 23B, they write, enjoyable, informative, calm, kindred spirit, five stars, loving each episode. Shannon accompanies me on long walks with my dogs. Her approach to living is akin to mine, and I find myself nodding in agreement and are making mental notes to try what she suggests. Shannon's petite plaisirs are always on the mark and punctuate each episode with a perfect takeaway treat. As a podcaster myself, I know it takes time. Thank you very much, 23B, for tuning in and taking us on your walks. And the next review comes from Bligia, or Bligia, B-L-E-E-G-I-A, titled, This Podcast is Changing How I Think. Five stars. I love this podcast. As a person in my early 20s, I struggle to balance style, health, work, and my relationships. And this podcast has so many helpful tips and quotes. This podcast has really allowed me to hone my skill of self-evaluation and introspection and really evaluate what habits I have in my life that are working for me and what I can change to live a life of greater contentment. To both reviewers, thank you very much for taking the time to share these reviews, the specific reasons you enjoy the podcast. And for everyone who's left a positive ranking lately, we're starting to climb up on the charts in different countries around the world. Canada, we're climbing there. Ireland, we were in the top 20. Hello. Thank you so much in Ireland and so many other places around the world. I try to keep up with all the, the rankings and the charts just to let uh, just to let you know I see them. And I that's because of you. You're tuning in. You're downloading. 
you're sharing, you're positively reviewing it, and that makes such a difference. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you for tuning in. The next episode will be the first Monday of February. So be sure to tune in in two weeks. I'll see you then. <laughs> bon journée. Thank you for tuning in to the Simple Sophisticate Podcast, where intelligent living is paired with signature style. For more ideas and inspiration throughout the week, visit the blog, thesimplyluxuriouslife.com, or pick up my latest book, Living the Simply Luxurious Life, Making Your Everydays Extraordinary and Discovering Your Best Self, now available on Audible and wherever audiobooks are sold, as well as in paperback and ebook versions. You can also pick up my first book, Choosing the Simply Luxurious Life, A Modern Woman's guide, which is also available in paperback, ebook, and as an audiobook as well. To stay caught up on the most recent episodes of the podcast, blog post, the cooking show, and receive exclusive news as well as an extra dose of inspiration to jumpstart your weekend, subscribe to the Simply Luxurious Life's free weekly newsletter, which arrives in your inbox each Friday to enjoy with a hot cup of tea or cup of morning coffee. Until next Monday, I'm your host, Shannon Abels. Bonjour.